The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. It's been a fun week, and we're closing it out the right way. It's Friday on Fantasy NBA Today. What's up, everybody? I'm Dan Bespris. This is a hoop ball presentation, of course, alongside our title sponsors at Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. I'll tell you more about them in a moment. Hoop-ball.com is the website. Go there. Enjoy it. Go there and enjoy it. We've got the draft guide, the game time package, the pro package. The Champions Package. And of course, I saved this one for last. The Early Bird, Brewski 150, which came out on Monday of this week. It is $29.99 right now. You've got the pride and joy, man. This is the backbone. These are the projections built into a Brewski-led list of the top 150 guys in the entire NBA. Uh, It's unbelievable. It's fantastic. He takes a bunch of risks again, and they're good risks. I've read through it. I always compare it to my own stuff. You guys, I mean, listen, a lot of you, you wait all season. It's draft prep in a list. Just reorganize your list. Go off this one. And if you're in an intermediate league, you'll probably just win it without doing anything from that point on. So go check that out, hoop-ball.com. Again, Dan Bespris. I know how to talk, don't I? Say my own name. Uh, D-A-N, Bravo Echo Sierra, Bravo Romeo India Sierra. That's the last name, B-E-S-B-R-I-S on Twitter. As I've said on a couple shows this week, I do a lot of my stuff on social media, so please do check that out. Give me a follow. Coming up on today's show, we'll be talking to the great Josh Lloyd. Yes, he'll be breaking down his team from our nine-category mock draft. Uh, Basketball Monsters Josh Lloyd, also now of uh, Yahoo Australia, Red Rock Basketball, of course, uh, he'll be breaking down his team. We'll go through some of the other tidbits running through that uh, that mock draft with Josh. We also have Adrian Benjamin. He'll visit, give us the skinny on what's going on in the mock draft universe because I know he's been doing a bunch of those, and that'll get us to the uh, freaking weekend here. Didn't know I was going to get a chance to say that on today's podcast, but anyway. Uh, thank you, as always, to Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. Do check them out, hawaiianisles.com, hawaiianisles.com. Or just search for Hawaiian Isles on Amazon. You can pull up the list of all the stuff that they sell through the Amazon website. A lot of it, folks, is available through Amazon Prime. I would strongly suggest you get that sent to your doorstep. Tell them who Paul sent you because we love working with them. And if they know that folks love working with them as well, through us, all the better. All the better. I don't want to make you guys wait too long. I take a lot of flack for slow starts to the podcast. Uh, So let's just leap right on in. We'll go talk to our buddy Josh. Rumbling forth. I got to razz you a little bit at the outset. The man kind enough to sneak us in between. My God, man, you're doing so many cool things these days. Uh, the great Josh Lloyd. What's up, man? How you been? It's been forever. Dan, how are you? Uh, sleepy. How are you? I'm all right. It's uh, it's early in the morning here. Just uh, just had a, a cup of coffee, getting settled in to, to begin my day. I got to get Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee shipped your direction. They're in the middle of the Pacific. It feels like it could they've just go the some. other way. They've sent me some. I've, uh, I've got some of those guys. They, they, do, they do great work. They oh, sent, me, uh, sent me a packet of it. Outstanding. Uh, Red Rock underscore B-Ball on Twitter. More, more than likely, if you're listening to this podcast, you're already following Josh. But if you're not, go do that right now. Uh, lead fantasy basketball analyst at Basketball Monster. You run the Locked On Fantasy podcast. You are now writing and doing uh, spots for Yahoo Australia. What am I missing, and when do you sleep? I think I think that's everything that, that I'm mainly doing. There might be a few other things in the pipeline, but we'll, uh, we'll leave them alone at, at this point. But when do I sleep? I sleep when, in, uh, when normal people in Australia sleep, which happens to uh, sync up pretty nicely with my, with my work. I just pack a lot into the day when I'm up and, uh, and talking fantasy and writing fantasy and thinking fantasy basketball. I got to say, and I know I've said this before, I remain incredibly jealous of the schedule that you guys get NBA games on. So they start for you like right when you wake up in the morning, right? They they start at 11 a.m. Oh, that's fantastic. Day basketball every day? Yeah. 
And then oh. the, the last game finishes. Like in le- the Thursday night games, they always tend to run a bit late. So they, they push a bit late into my schedule. They finish at about 5.15 p.m. <laughs> but otherwise, the games are, are wrapped up by 5, 4.45, that sort of time. And you got the evening to, you can you can think on the games, you can make your moves, you can write about them, you can go spend time with loved ones. That's that's the exactly. dream right there. You guys got yeah. it good. I Wrap up the day, and then uh, you're ready in time for dinner. Oh, that sounds nice. Uh, I, I shouldn't complain too much. It's it's not bad here on the Pacific Coast. The games are over by 10 p.m. At least I don't have to stay up till 1 in the morning. But anyway, uh, the reason that I dragged you onto the podcast here and you were kind enough to join us is to talk about the results of my annual industry 9-cat roto mock. Uh, we'll just start at the top and work our way through it. And Josh, I have to say, as I was looking at your team overall, it really looks like a team that I could have ended up with, and people will hear why momentarily. Uh, but round one, pick four. You had the four slot. Pretty easy selections here. There's that fairly standard top five, and at four you went with Giannis. Uh, I don't know that there's a ton of uh, analysis on this one other than he's really freaking good and he's in that top five. But uh, why Giannis over who the heck was left at five? I think Steph was Steph. the other one that was still there. Why? Um, look, no, no particular reason. Actually, that's not true. There is a particular reason. The reason is that Steph's major strength come is uh, from his hitting threes, and I feel like he can get threes later on in a draft. I can find those guys to supplement that category. Whereas Giannis providing that really high boost to field goal percentage, providing the defensive numbers as well, it might be a little bit harder to find later on in the draft. I have a little bit more faith in Giannis being able to at least up his three point output and his free throw percentage as he did over the final say forty games of last season. He started. Off the year with an incredibly ridiculously bad three-point shooting run, which is not replicable over the course of anybody's career. So I think he'll be a little bit better. And I went with that just for that um, scarcity, I guess, of the defensive numbers, which are harder to pick up later on. Makes sense. Let's move along. First round is, I mean, if you're in the top five, we don't have a whole lot to talk about in the first round. It's the it's, it's no wrong pick in the top five, really. Look, yeah. Anywhere in that top five, people go, who do I pick if I got picked? Like, it doesn't really matter, I don't think. You, you can nitpick here and there, but I don't think it really matters. It's really 7 through 12 in the first round that are kind of up for grabs this year, right? Jokic is basically going at 6 everywhere. He's at 6, and I think Lillard goes at 7 in pretty yeah. much every situation that I've been in. Um, so I think it's probably more 8 onwards. You could make an argument at 7 for someone else, but I think nearly always I say Jokic 6, Lillard 7, and then it's a free-for-all. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, DeAndre Ayton was your pick towards the end of the second round. Very safe center uh, you're actually kind of a Suns guy, right? Like, people wouldn't expect this, but I know you follow them pretty closely. Did you buy into any of the DeAndre at the four stuff, or does that not really matter? Uh, look, I, I I destroy the Suns a lot for a lot of their poor... <laughs> they, they just continually make poor decisions. But there is a lot of fantasy value that can be had on this team. So that is is something that's worth paying attention to. Do I buy him playing at the four? Well, it's the Suns. So if it was any another normal team, uh, maybe except the Knicks, <laughs> then I, I wouldn't buy it. But they will likely likely try that to make sure they get, I don't know, Aaron Baines on the court for whatever reason. Baines is good. He's not worth yeah, sacrificing Aiton's best position and development to get him onto the court. So, yes, it's the Suns. So any sort of nonsense can happen. I don't think it impacts really his value overall too much. He'd want to start taking some threes if they're going to start playing him at the four because he just refused to do that last season or he was refused to be able to do that. I don't know which one it is. It's probably a little bit of both. Uh, I'm not putting too much stock into him playing at the four there. Although it is, I'll say this, Dan, a better option than Frank Kaminsky getting minutes there. <laughs> what about Dario Saric at the four? Is that He's, he's an option there for them, right? Yeah, he's going to start there at the four. I think it's more that they'll just try a few Baines, Aiton lineups, similar oh, got it. to how the Celtics did the Baines-Horford stuff. I don't think we're going to be having Baines and Aiton start. It's going to be Sharich. And then you'll get a little bit of that mix in because you know, their backup the backup positions uh, at the four, it's not that strong. as it? It's Czech Diallo, it's Frank Kaminsky, so I can understand. But I'd also like to see them go smaller, push Bridges, push Ubre up there a little bit more as well to play some of those backup power forward minutes rather than going super big. But more teams are going to be going big this season, so maybe it works. I'm not overly worried about it, but it's very Suns to say something like that. Where do you think DeAndre Ayton makes his steps forward this year as opposed to last year? I think on my end, I was thinking scoring and free throw percent, but curious if you have another take on that. 
Uh, well, the number one thing is going to be minutes because he didn't play enough last season. So that that's going to go up. I feel really confident that he's going to play more than 30 minutes a game that he played last season. So there's that's number one. So that just boosts everything up. Right. I think that we will see um, a, a little bit more in terms of three-point shooting. And I agree about the free throws. Weirdly, that really dropped off for Aiton at the end of last season. Yeah, shooting under 70% for the uh, back end of the season, which is really, really strange. I think that will take a, a step forward this season too. But overall, it's just minutes and plus usage as well. We saw him just not get the ball given to him in the Kokoshkov offense, which was quite weird. I think Monty Williams will use him better. So minutes, usage, that's a pretty good recipe for an improvement in fantasy production. Yeah, nice to have a point guard that uh, will hit him when he's open this year, right? That's got to help a little bit. Yeah, just or just getting him involved in the offense rather than him just standing around and doing nothing, which happened so much last season, which you know, I, I was critical of the Suns for firing Kokoshkov, but I was also critical of Kokoshkov for some of the dumb decisions hmm. he made. Shout out to Isaiah Kanan. <laughs> Didn't think we were going to get a cannonball reference on today's podcast. I love it. Uh, I want to focus on your third round pick because of your top five. He's sort of the only non, uh, I don't know. Well, I guess he's still a pretty safe pick, but he is more of a, a little bit of an upside play. And that's Donovan Mitchell, who you got at 28. Um, where do you see him making his steps this year? Because last season he plateaued just a little bit. Yeah, look, people look at the Donovan Mitchell season, and I think it also happened with um, uh, with Jason Tatum, and they go, oh, big disappointments. It's because they didn't take big leaps forward, but overall, they actually were better than they were in their rookie seasons. They just didn't take these big steps forward. Like, Mitchell averaged an additional almost four points per game last season versus as a rookie, despite playing the same amount of minutes. Like, to me, that's that's pretty good. He he got to the line more as well. He improved that by you know, 30%, 40%. That's good as well by getting more free throw attempts. So he did improve. His assists went up. Uh, his rebound numbers went up. So we can look at it and go, well, he wasn't as good as we hoped he was going to be. And I think that's fair enough. But he still improved. And now he heads into a season where I think that you know, Mike Conley will take a little bit of that usage away from him. Not a huge amount, but it will take some of that away from him. And him not playing as much at point guard is not ideal. But we see so many players, Dan, in their third season take big steps forward. And that often comes in efficiency and free throw rate. And they're two things that if they increase for Mitchell, who's already an excellent free throw shooter, if those two things increase, then you're going to see some pretty decent numbers. And I think he's relatively solid in this third, fourth round type of a range. Getting points can be hard later in a draft as well, and I'm getting a, a guaranteed 20-point-per-game scorer here. And now we get into this chunk of back-to-back point guards on your team that I'm just salivating over in every draft. We can talk about these for the rest of our half hour today if you want. I got no problem with that. Kyle Lowry at 45 and Eric Bledsoe at 52. Why does everybody, Josh, hate these guys this year? I don't get it. I'll tell you why everyone hates Eric Bledsoe, because they saw him in the playoffs have a bad series, and they go, well, he sucks. He's terrible. Fantastic. That's wonderful news for us. Well, he was the 43rd ranked player in last year in 29 minutes a game. I don't think he's playing fewer than 29 minutes a game. And also, even if he is worse than that, like it's still a top 50 guy. He gets steals, he gets assists, he rebounds well. He was ridiculously efficient as a point guard. Like 48% as a point guard is a ridiculously good number. Uh, I don't really see why that's changing too much. His steals could actually go up. He averaged two steals per game the year before last year. So if that goes back up, then we are talking a top 35 player. I don't really see anything changing with Bledsoe this season. As for Lowry, he upped his assists last season. The efficiency was at almost a career low for Kyle Lowry, or career low over the last seven to eight years. I think that will bounce back up. He should get a little bit more usage with Kawhi out, but otherwise he's just going to put those similar numbers to last year, and that puts him in almost the exact same spot that I drafted him. Yeah, and I mean, now he's he's without Kawhi Leonard. He was number 36 on a per-game basis in nine category, and it feels like there's almost no place to go but up, as Dan knocks on wood while making such a statement. Uh, I just, is this just a case, Josh, of everybody sort of wanting the fresh new thing? Because these are guys that have, I mean, Kyle Lowry had a, had a top 20 season that, that's probably not going to be replicated because he shot 46% that year. But that's a guy that's been in the 30 range for a decade. And Eric Bledsoe's been in the 30-something range for a decade. Why is everyone predicting this is the year where suddenly they drop off? Well, I guess he's 33 years of age, so that's that's part of it. Um, and, and people look at it, and they've had concerns with Lowry in the past. And I've shared those concerns that he, he plays an absolute ton of minutes to begin the season. But that's that was Dwayne Casey. He played 38, 37 minutes a game, and then in March he breaks down. That's not what Nick Nurse is going to do. He's not going to play him 38 minutes a night. He's not going to have that 
that issue with that that breakdown really starting to hurt you in fantasy playoffs. And in fact, you know, two years ago, Casey did realize that and played him only 32 minutes a night, and he responded with 78 games. Yeah. Last season, he only played the 65, but I, I think he'll go back into the 70s. I, I don't understand the complete reticence of of dealing with Larry. I think that usage, which dropped under 20% for the first time in six seasons, will jump back up over that mark because somebody has to take the shots. And it's not going to be OG Ananobi who's out there throwing up 18 shots a game. It's not going to be you know, Norman Powell who's throwing 20 shots a game up there. Larry is going to take them, and he is the second-best player on this team. Yeah. You could argue he's the best player. depends how you view Pascal Siakam, but he's going to take more shots, so I feel pretty good about him at this spot. Yeah, I really do. Have you found, Josh, in this range of drafts that there are a lot of guys like Kyle Lowry and like Eric Bledsoe just proven 30-year-olds or 32-year-olds that are just there almost every time. I've found that I don't almost ever have to target anyone in the fourth, fifth, or sixth round because guys are just tumbling to me. Yeah, Lowry's always always there at this area. There's plenty of guys that fall into this area that I don't think that necessarily should. And, you, and it ends up making your teams look relatively similar because people tend to, to tumble uh, quite a bit. And I always find interesting is, is looking at you know, on whatever site you're on, looking at the rank of that player and then looking at the ADP. And you see these guys who you think, hey, they're ranked too low. And then you see the ADP being 10, 20 spots even lower than that. I go, what is going on with these people? And they're the people <laughs> that I end up uh, end up drafting because they're just falling way too low. Yeah, way too low. Um, and then when you get guys like that, it allows you to start taking some shots a little bit later in the draft. Uh, and, and I mean, that's probably not even a fair way to put it because there's there are floors for these guys but just moving along now your sixth round pick number 69 pick overall miles bridges in charlotte yeah he's a younger guy so there are more question marks but you've got this unbelievable foundation of guys that you know are going to produce so why not take a shot on a young guy that could sort of make a big leap forward well dan like i said before who's taking the shots in charlotte Terry Rozier is going to take plenty of them, but, but who else is taking them? Over the final 15 games of last season, Miles Bridges was a top 60 player and he played under 30 minutes a night. He averaged, this is what people always go, oh, he's too high. And I go, well, look at this, right? He averaged 10 and 6 with a 3, a steal, 1.3 steals and 0.8 blocks. Like, is that not remotely replicable? Yes, he shot 51% from the field, but even if that doesn't occur, he's going to see more shots. He's going to see more minutes. There, I don't see any way that he doesn't at least come around that 57 type range that he was in this nine cat type of format mm-hmm. uh, over the last month of the season. Those minutes are going to be there. The opportunities are going to be there. And he's a second year player. I think it gets better. I, again, I don't see downside in picking him at, at number 69. I can't see any situation where that ends up biting me. Maybe the next one, I should have probably just clustered. You actually have three Hornets on your uh, on your mock that's, in this one. That's just- <laughs> yeah, are you feeling sick to your stomach yet? Uh, Terry Rozier was the next one, so we could probably lump those two together. Um, a potential field goal percent guy, but you have Giannis and DeAndre Ayton to start your draft. Yeah, and that's exactly yeah why getting you know influencing percentage categories in a positive way is really hard to do when you move out of the first couple of rounds. So getting those two guys like Ayton and Giannis gave me a huge head start. So a bunch of guys that I can get after that can be negatives. Now, Rozier is almost definitely going to be a negative, a guy that's never had a 40% field goal season. But you know what? Dan, even if he does shoot 39% from the field, I think I'm okay with that. And if he improves, it's a real bonus. He's going to get shots. He's not a good passer. I don't think he's actually a good player at all, but he's going to get the minutes in Charlotte. He's going to get the shots. He's going to play 30-plus. He's going to average probably 20 points per game, probably on 20 shots a game, which is obviously horrible. But the rebounds will be there. He'll get some steals. He'll hit some threes. Again, I think there's real value in Rogier at this sort of point because I've built up that equity in the field goal percentage to be able to absorb whatever nonsense he's going to be throwing out there. <laughs> that, was, that was a perfect breakdown of Terry Rozier. Uh, Dwayne Dedman at 93. I'm confused. I'll admit, Sacramento is a, a spot that confuses me regularly. They have so many big men, but Dwayne Dedman was so freaking good in 9-cat last year, so I'm torn on him. Uh, Josh, can you sell me on Dwayne Dedman? Because I would love to end up with him again, but right now I'm a little bit scared. I, I probably can't sell you on him because I don't, I'm looking at it and I'm like, yeah, I'm not so sure. But 
yeah, you need to chat with your mate Brewski about what's going on in Sacramento because some of their decision making is is really weird. Okay, <laughs> unless they're not going to play Trevor Ariza, which they shouldn't, they should be giving those minutes to Bogdan Bogdanovic. Uh, I wish they would play you know, Bagley at the five, Bielitzer at the four, but they're going to go with Bagley and Deadman there. I don't expect too much to change in terms of Deadman's playing time. He only played like 26 minutes a night for the Hawks last season. Maybe he's at 26 or 25, but he blocks shots, he hits threes, he hits free throws. He's an efficient guy. He grabs rebounds. At this spot in a roto-type league, you know, towards the back end of my roster, help round out some of these defensive numbers and get my rebounds up. I feel okay about where he is. I don't need a high scorer because my first three picks were all 20-plus point per game type of players, and Rozier could be that sort of guy as well in the mid-rounds. And I think he's just really solid here. Giles isn't taking the starting job off him. They'd seem uncommitted to playing Bagley at the five. So I think he's going to start and play 25 to 26 and I don't think he needs much more than that to um, provide value at this spot for me. No, he does. He doesn't. And I have to say, you're you're semi selling me a little bit. I, you know, Luke Walton's always. I watch him with his Lakers tenure, and it was a little bit strange. So there, anything can happen. But again, you know, we're starting to get around that hundred mark in the draft. So you you take a little bit of a shot. He was number forty eight on a per game basis last year in nine cat eleven and seven and a half. Uh, he was a 1-1-1 guy, which I don't think a lot of people realize, on 49% from the field and 81% at the free throw line, low turnovers. He he was one of those nine-cat type guys that just sort of slowly crept into the top 50 somehow, and people were like, well, what? But, uh, I mean, it makes a lot of sense if he gets back to that same number of minutes, but that, of course, is where the fear resides with me. What if they decide all of a sudden it's time to go Bagley at the five, Deadman gets squished, my poor sweet Rashawn Holmes is buried somewhere on that roster. I don't. He's 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 oh, not he's not playing minutes this year, I is he? As, unless unless Bruce has got a, an insight into Walton, there he's not getting those minutes. I'm terrified. I don't think that I can. I don't think I can make the Rashawn leap. And and I mean, even with Phoenix last year, I was still pushing Rashawn because he was able to sort of move uh, Aiton to the side every once in a while. There's just. That was yeah, one tough. guy. Yeah. That was one guy he had to move out of the way. Now it's like eight big men he's, he's got in Sacramento. Uh, everybody's lauding all the moves they made, but it really feels like they just loaded up in the front court and don't know exactly what? how it's all going to shake I out. I don't like any of the moves they made, really. Like, I like them. I like Fox. I like man, Bagley's fine. I didn't think he was worth the number two pick. I love Bogdanovich. he has been good. I don't. What move did they make that was good? Deadman was solid, but it didn't make complete sense. I've got no idea about Trevor Ariza. They significantly overpaid for Harrison Barnes. Um, I don't I don't really see huge amounts to, to love there with what they did in the offseason, but this is not a, a Kings offseason breakdown podcast, so I don't really see what the, all the love's about. Is Harrison Barnes the oldest, like, 27-year-old that you've ever seen move in the NBA? That blew my mind when he when I figured out he was still well under 30. It's it's him and it's Derek Favors, who's only 28. They're the two that really uh, stick out. That's crazy. At least Favors is like a lumbering big man. It just... Anyway, boggled my mind. But like you said, that's a back sleeping on a bad mattress. That's how old he is. Yet he's only only twenty eight. <laughs> that's, that's right. We gotta get a we gotta get a podcast partner on that side as well. Uh, <laughs> you're uh, number one hundred, the century mark. I love this one too. This is another old falling point guard, Jeff Teague. Your ninth round pick. Uh, a lot of his numbers from last year look like they were more the aberration than the norm. Uh, Minnesota got rid of pretty much all of his competition near the point guard spot. Um, I realize a lot of things can go wrong as guys get older, but this feels like a pretty nice spot to get a point guard around a hundred with the type of history that Teague has. I like this pick a lot. Yeah, look, you can't get assists really late in the draft. Once Rubio goes in that 60 to 75 type of range, finding assists is really tough. So any of those point guards who are left later on, say like a Patrick Beverly, where they give you four assists, you know, Teague's a guy that averaged eight assists per game. And while I don't think he's necessarily going to do that this season because he might have to do a few other things and he's a bit older, I'm not worried about the injury that shut him down last year with the, uh, I think it was an ankle problem at the end of the season. You're right, his backup is Shabazz Napier. I'm not worried about them having a, a timeshare or anything. This is Teague's last season, I believe, to be a full-time NBA starter um, because I just don't think that anyone's going to be looking to sign him on to be their starter after his contract expires. But no reason he can't see a bit of an increase in efficiency. He'd been a 44% guy for six or seven, eight, like every year of his career basically until last year where he dropped down to 42. So I think there's room for that to come back up. 
good free throw shooter, which again suffered a weird dip. And you have to think that some of that is the turmoil surrounding Butler and the injury, which has an impact. You know, people don't people discount the the mental impacts of shooting and the concentration that it requires. And that team was obviously screwed up pretty much all of last season. I think look at this point again. I want some assists. Like there's just nobody else who's around. And if if Jeff Teague finished as a top seventy player, I wouldn't be surprised at all. No, not at all. And you said it. I mean, almost every single category had been locked in for half a decade with him. Field goal percent was weirdly low. Free throw percent weirdly low. Steals were down by about thirty percent last year over where he had often been throughout his career. So a lot of that stuff could kind of creep its way back in. I mean. I don't. I, I feel like you drafted this team, Josh, so that I would just compliment you on the podcast because these are all Dan, Dan tumbling old men. Uh, and then the draft got haywire, so I actually don't even know if the last two were guys you intended to grab. I hope it, that this was right. Um, Brandon Ingram at one seventeen. Did the draft window mess that one up, or was that actually still you drafting there? I don't. I don't. This was, things got weird. Was- yeah, there was me drafting. I'm pretty sure. I think there was one weird one on there in my uh, on my pick, but I'm I'm uh, fairly certain I drafted Ingram at that spot. I think okay. I think all, all my picks have been uh, have been set up okay here okay, as perfect. to how I how I got them. I think, but there, it was it, there was some weird stuff going on. But no, I was uh, I was okay getting Ingram at that spot. Um, again, we're looking at sort of the, my bench now. I've got my ten starters set in a roto league. So the way that I think we should be looking at. Was he my tenth guy? No, he was my tenth guy, wasn't he? I'm getting confused with myself now. Yeah, he was my tenth guy. Yeah, tenth. Right. But at 117. Yeah, yeah. Um, effectively a bench guy for all intents and purposes at 117. So he, you know, he, he has issues with percentages. We've seen that. I'm not worried about his injury. He's a full go now as well for the Pelicans. And the other thing is that they're going to use him as a backup point guard. So he'll start at small forward. He'll come in and play backup point guard as well. That'll get his assist back up in a non-LeBron James type situation, back to where they were the year before. He absolutely generates no defensive numbers, but that's fine. Give me some rebounds. Give me some points. Another potential 20-point per game guy. Maybe that's a little bit high, but getting... Yeah, 18, 5, and 5, I, that's not crazy, I don't think, for Ingram. No, not at all. Uh, and the one thing that always, that I, I wish we could see change with him, and you know you know me, Lakers guy, I can't figure out why someone with an 85-foot wingspan can only get half a steal per game. Is that ever a stat that he can fix? It, it just It hasn't been something that he's been able to do, what, in three seasons so far? Yeah. Like he's... He's, he just hasn't been that guy, so I'm just loath to think that it's going to change miraculously. A lot of it, he's got the wingspan, but it's awareness, it's positioning, it's angles. Yeah. And if he's not you know, smart enough in a defensive positioning type of situation, then I just don't really ever think that it's um that it's going to come. Maybe it does. I'm, I'm not convinced of it, though. So you're, uh, you're not hope. I mean, it's always one of those things that we're hoping for, but not necessarily expecting. Yeah, like if it happens, it happens, and I'm, I'm happy with it, but... I'm not banking on it to, to round out my team. Cody Zeller at 124. Uh, another big man that's just late and safe and plodding center type. I mean, there's, there isn't much in the way of upside here, but he, he, sort of, he certainly rounds out a roster nicely. And, you know, historically, the Hornets have been a lot better when he's on the floor. Um, what's the thought behind uh, Zeller at this point? Just kind of making sure you've got a nice, safe center to bring off the bench? Yeah, look, you're being kind, Dan. There's absolutely zero upside in, in Cody Zelda <laughs> at all. But you're, you're right, he's safe. Like When your backups are Bismack Biombo and Billy Hernan Gomez, I feel pretty good about him being in there as the starter and at least providing solid enough numbers. He can block a shot. He's efficient from the field and from the line, which is obviously key in Roto. He can score a little bit, maybe a, a slight boost in usage this season as well. It's far from the most exciting pick. But again, as that guy that can just come in and, and give you that value. And in a league where, you know, we're looking at, I think, I believe this was a two-center league that we needed. So to mm-hmm. get that third center in there with Aiton uh, and Deadman, I just needed an extra guy in there to be able to rotate through. If one of those guys sits out, uh, he's he's solid enough in terms of production. I was debating going with a guy, say, like Jakob Pertl, but his free throw hit uh, is not ideal for a roto situation. I don't think Pertl ended up getting drafted in this one, but he's a guy I kind of like. We saw him play some more minutes toward the end last year. Do you think that carries over this season? Yeah, because like I have this discussion with people, and I always seem to get him with at the end of drafts, and people go, "No, well, what? Yeah, he's terrible. Pop won't play him." And I go, "Literally, like, who is the center on the Spurs? Look, who are their centers on their roster?" And the answer is Jakob Pertl. Like, there's no one else. Yeah. There's Lamarcus Aldridge. There's Pertl. 
and and that is actually it. There is no other center unless you want to count Chemezi Metu or Drew Eubanks, which you shouldn't. Like there is no other center, so he's going to have to play unless Aldridge is just going full time center, which he'll uh, piss and moan about doing. So that won't happen either. So Pirtle's going to have to play, and I think we saw that lineup at the end of last season, that Aldridge Pirtle front court. I think that'll have to continue this season. Yeah, it seemed like, and I'm trying to pull up the game log here while we're talking. Uh, his minutes bumped like right around the all-star break maybe i'm misremembering the exact timeline uh, on that it was when they gave to the bench and they went with that purdle um purdle aldridge starting front court and used uh, rudy as the sixth man which was around that that mark at the end of the season he started playing like 21 22 minutes a night after playing like you know 12 or 13 to begin the season which was really disappointing so i thought he was in for a pretty strong year uh but he just barely played but uh, over the final uh, after the all-star break he played 21 minutes a night uh, seven boards, one and a half blocks, 64% field goal. That's useful. Obviously, yeah. he's horrible in some other areas, but yeah, that, that's useful. And he doesn't take any free throws. I know he doesn't make any, but he also doesn't take any. I like yeah, him. I got no uh, He's a Stephen Adams-esque 46% from the line. Uh, <laughs> hey, let me ask you a question about a guy that's not on your team before we round out your roster. Uh, Hassan Whiteside. Can, mm. will his brain allow him to shoot better than 45% at the line? I am petrified. I don't think I can touch him this year. I think what you have to do is you have to assume that he'll be terrible. And if it improves, uh, it's a bonus. Now, the thing with Whiteside is, is this is, and this is what really you talk about his brain. It's all, it's his brain. It's obviously his brain and it's his laziness and it's his stubbornness because it's frustrating because he figured out how to hit free throws. He changed his style. He said, I'm going to sit down and take this weird little jump shot from the free throw line. And he had that stretch like for a couple of years where he did it at the back end of one season, shot 75%. You go, oh, cool. He's figured it out. Because it, was, it wasn't like a hot streak. You go, he has changed his style and he hit his free throws. Then the next season, because he's a lazy ass, he went back to his old style, hit 60%, and the coaches eventually got to him and he changed it again and went back to 75%. Hmm. And then he just stopped doing it. So if he does that jump shot, he'll hit him. If he hmm. continues to be stubborn and uh, look really just a, a fool, then he won't. And how much can you buy that he will do that? I think his past history would say you can't. But if for some reason he has a new lease on life, and I've heard there were clips about him shooting free throws with that old style, then that could be a huge change. And if he gets 75% free throws, then he jumps up massively. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a 60-70 slot leap for a guy like that because he was – epically bad at the line your last pick in this one besides of course the fact that i put demarcus cousins on all 12 teams uh yes. colin sexton at 141 um kind of a, a points heavy game last year obviously but uh what are your thoughts on where he might improve for season two i don't think he's really going to improve anywhere to be honest because i don't <laughs> think he's got the vision or the defensive acumen or like ingram the ability to generate steals or grab rebounds but could he be a 20-point-per-game scorer who gives me two threes a game and hits free throws and is relatively efficient from the field? Yeah, of course, like he could be. And again, finding a guy <laughs> or getting a guy late who can give you 20 points per game, it's not easy to do. I have no, I don't think he's coming out there and being Kyle Lowry and giving us 14 and 8 or anything like that. He's going to be 20 and 3. And with Garland around, it could even be worse in the assist area. But I'm not counting him as a... As a point guard, I'm counting him in here as a guy who scores, who will hit threes, who will give me free throw percentage, and I'm okay with that. And you know what? Again, Dan, if those other things come and they improve, well, that's a bonus for me because I'm banking on none of them happening. I did not. I have to say I did not expect you to answer that question with, I, I don't expect to see him improve. <laughs> you, I, I, I think there's a legitimate risk for Colin Sexton, and I'm not a big fan of him, but I was impressed with what he did at the end of last season. I think there's a legitimate chance that the final three months or two months of last season is almost the best run he has at any point in his career. But, you know, the old Jordan Clarkson learning from his current teammate. But that's that's fine. Like That was you know, nice scoring who lacks everything else. But, hey, maybe I'm wrong, and that's why I'll take that upside pick. Yeah, I mean, there really aren't any guys on the board in the 140s that could score 20 points a game. That's that same that's thing where point. you're like, what can we do at this point in a draft besides – you're kind of targeting one or two stats from the guys you draft here, right? Either that or you're maybe there's one guy left where you're like, this guy could be a massive upside play. But that's all you can really do towards the end of a draft. Yeah, like do I take do I take him there or do I, you know, take a weird like pick on PJ Tucker who's got zero upside? Like do I take, you know, some you know, like you took DeAndre Jordan, like I'm not interested in you know, I don't think there's much upside there in those sort of guys. I'm just again at the end of my bench, especially in Roto, when your bench 
really serves as a as an extended stash area. I don't have to play him every night. I can just see what happens. And then if he does regress and Garland takes his shots and you know, Kevin Love's impacting him, then, oh, well, it's my last pick. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, looking back, by the way, I don't know why the hell I did that. And on yesterday's, or not yesterday, I'm dating the podcast. I don't know when this is going to air. It would have been Wednesday's podcast uh, in mid-September. I said something like, I'm not interested in DeAndre Jordan at all. And then I ended up with him in this in this mock draft. On top of the fact, by the way, that I already had three centers, four centers on my team before I took DeAndre Jordan. There, that, that pick made absolutely no sense, and I am planning on picking myself apart for it because that was a weird one. Um, we all uh, make mistakes down. I picked Cody Zeller, remember? <laughs> yeah, you, well, that was, uh, that was our 11th round picks. We can just cry yeah. together for what, what the hell are we doing here. Um, what about overall on your team when you look back at it? As I've said before, I don't, I don't have that eye of just staring at a team and saying, here's where it looks strong or weak, but how did you sort of feel at the end of this one? I feel pretty good about it. I think my team comes probably up in the in the top two, uh, top three teams in terms of. But again, it's it, can, it gets a little bit circle jerky because I look at it, I draft based on my projections, and I look right. at the standards based on my projections. And go, hey, look at that, Josh, you did a great job. Well done, Josh. Your, your <laughs> projections are great, and oh man, you picked so well, Josh. Awesome. And it sort of goes a bit back that way. But I would hope that if I'm following my own projections and making those picks, my team looks alright. In the end, I think it does. I'm a little weak. In uh, in the free throw percentage area, which could be an issue, um, and that's gonna you know, if Giannis takes a big step forward, then that maybe that problem gets solved. But yeah, you know, overall, I'm pretty happy with my team. And again, picking in the top four, I should be I should end up with a fairly strong team, and I think that I delivered on that. Well, it's not entirely circle jerky because you came on here with me knowing full well that I was going to be giving you repeated pats on the back for ending uh, ending up with both Kyle Lowry and Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> You had to know yeah. that was coming. I'm happy, uh, I'm happy that uh, that happened. Always, always good to have some praise. That's right. I'm. That's what I'm here for, man. I'm. I'm everybody's. I'm everybody's biggest fan. Uh, the wonderful, the magical, the mysterious, the busy Josh Lloyd. Red Rock underscore B Ball. R E D R O C K underscore B B A L L. Basketball monster. The Locked On Fantasy Podcast and Yahoo Australia. Thank you so much, my man. No worries, Dan. The great Josh Lloyd, really one of the preeminent voices in the fantasy basketball landscape. Maybe the preeminent voice. He's everywhere, man. You heard it. Certainly, uh, I, I would venture to say the biggest podcast in fantasy basketball. That's what we're all striving for here, uh, here at Fantasy NBA Today and across the landscape. So thanks again to Josh for carving out some time. I know he's a pretty busy guy these days, just having his uh, Hawaiian Isles Kona coffee and getting the day going uh, down under. A little of the show here, this is usually when we tell you about mybookie.ag, so I'll just do it again. Why the hell not? Why why mess around with it if it's working? Mybookie.ag, they are our partners here at uh, Fantasy NBA Today. At the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, watch some sports, and bet on it. Game-winning touchdowns in football, if that's your deal. Two-minute drives, running backs racing down the sidelines. It's nothing even more exciting than that, unless you're betting on it. You see where I'm going with this. I wouldn't, you guys, I wouldn't tell you guys to use my bookie if I didn't trust them and if they weren't the best. We've moved our money over there here at HoopBall. Those of us, the degenerates here at HoopBall that like to do the betting thing, we're using mybookie.ag. Join now, and my bookie will match your first deposit with promo code TODAY, T-O-D-A-Y. You write that in when you're opening up your account and making that first deposit, and they will match the money that you put in your account. You put 200 bucks in, they'll put 200 bucks in. You put 400 bucks in, they'll put 400 bucks in. Up to a grand. Up to a grand. Yes, it's worth mentioning. There is rollover. That's how it works with online books. It's free money. You can't just put it in and then take it out. It doesn't work like that. You got to bet it. But we're going to bet it, guys. We got hundreds of revenge games to bet over the course of this NBA season. We're going to knock out that number in no time flat. We're going to make money along the way and get in a special bonus when we hit that rollover mark. That's just double the fun. MyBookie.ag. Play, win, get paid. It's my favorite part of the week. Don't tell the other parts of the week. Adrian Benjamins, my eye in the sky. I've been really trying hard, Adrian, to come up with a nice name for our weekly chats. And th- these are it's going to be shorter now because it's pro weeks on the show. And uh, so there's there's only a little bit of time left over. But um, I don't know if you've come up with any other names. It doesn't matter. How are you? 
I'm doing good, Dan. Happy to be here. And um, yeah, we got to come up with something kind of snazzy. Right? Yeah, I know. My, uh, <laughs> yeah. My, my pre-recording suggestion was, what did I say? Sweet Nuggets with Adrian Benjamins? <laughs> <laughs> this is Friday's Sweet Nuggets with Adrian Benjamins. Uh, how's your week been? I, I don't, you know what? I don't even care how your week has been. How many mocks have you done? That's all I really want to know. Uh, you know, I haven't done as many mocks. I'm probably down to like one per day. I don't know why. It's just, you know, it's just the Only kids. seven. The kids are crazy. We're getting the house ready for a possible open house. So it's been crazy on the life front. So unfortunately, I haven't been able to do as many as normal. But funny story, two days ago in the middle of a mock draft in the chat room, I get a holler from chef ali and dan <laughs> nothing nothing better than running what? into your friends randomly yeah. in um a yahoo mock so, draft so this was just like you clicking on join the next mock draft on yahoo <laughs> and chef was in there too yes oh absolutely. my god that's ridiculous how does that happen yeah. what are the you odds know, of that you know what's really funny is i have been in uh, and this might be because i do too many mocks yeah, i was gonna say the I've odds been, are better with you <laughs> <laughs> I've seen uh, Roto Kyle in a few oh, mock drafts. Kyle McEwen, yeah. yeah. He was on the yep. pot earlier um, this week. Yes, yeah, so I've ran into him in some mock drafts. Um, running in the Chef Ali was was awesome. So um, every once in a while, I'll kind of run into somebody I know. And it's it's always a trip because, um, you know, these mock drafts are going, what, every five minutes. So it yeah. just seems like it would not be likely to run into your friends in here. It really doesn't. Okay, so this, is, this means one of two things. Uh, either A... Um, there aren't as many mock drafts happening at Yahoo as we think, which doesn't seem probable. Uh, maybe this is actually one of three things. B, um, you are in all of the mock drafts, so inevitably you're <laughs> going to run into somebody. Uh, or C, we all do a lot of mock drafts. And so it, I'm guessing it's probably C if I had to put my money on it, or maybe B. It could also be B. I'm going to definitely say C. I know, um, I know Kyle's been doing a few mock drafts, and I know Chef Ali just recently has ramped up his mock drafts to prepare for this upcoming draft season. So yeah. I think it's That's probably crazy. a mixture of just everybody else doing a large number that's of mock drafts. That's amazing. What a wonderful... That's yeah. that's a great story. Uh, if you run into anybody else in another mock, you just be like, hey, you know, Dan said I was going to see somebody, so he says hi. So just tell him Dan says hi. It doesn't matter who it is. You just tell him Dan says hi. Uh, I will. So you've been, you're in these mocks. You're playing around with Chef and, and uh, Kyle. What did you learn this week? What are my sweet nuggets? So the biggest <laughs> thing that I have noticed in these mock drafts is there has been large movement on two of my favorite players. Ooh. And this is bad news for me. Um, first guy, Jaron Jackson Jr. is now going at the end of the third round. Oh, that's and, almost a whole round earlier than before. Yes. And Jason Tatum has now moved into round four, ah. which is which is a major bummer. And now what I can account to this movement is Yahoo has changed their X rank. Now, this is how they have the players listed in in the mock draft, mm -hmm. Dan, I looked this up. X rank stands for their expert ranking. So um, because they moved Jaron Jackson Jr. up and also Jason Tatum up, their ADP is going to go. You will see their ADP go up now in these Yahoo mock drafts. Ah, farts. Well, yes. that's so I don't care as much about the JJJ because um I, I thought he was right near the front end of where I would take him anyway. And so now this pretty much prices me out on him, uh, considering some of the other names that are on the board at 35, 36 are still left there. Um, I'm actually more upset about the Tatum news of the two that you mentioned, because I thought he was going really late, given you know his floor is top 55. That's like a worst-case scenario for him, and that's close to where he was going. And so now you wipe out a round of value. I, I think I still would consider him, but you know, towards the end of the fourth, that you still got a lot of really interesting guys on the board. Bledsoe's usually hanging around there. I, I would take him over Tatum. So you move him into a group of guys where I have, at least for me, 
other names that I would take in front, whereas before, and I don't know if you if you're in this same camp with me or not, because I mean, people know you, you and I, Adrian, we don't we don't agree on everybody, which I think makes for better podcast, frankly. Uh, where he was before, which was like fifty five ish, fifty to fifty five, I, I thought that was where he immediately became the best value on the board. Around earlier than that, I don't know that he's the best value on the board there. I agree with you 100%. I loved taking him in that fifth to sixth round in mock drafts. That was great. I agree with you. This pretty much prices him out for me. Now, mm-hmm. JJJ, you know, if you're draft like if you're drafting in that number 1 spot, I believe it comes back to you in that what that pick 36 37 I think you're picking on the wheel right there I could see myself possibly taking him you know if I'm in that wheel spot if he falls to that beginning of that first fourth round spot I think I'd still be willing to take a shot at JJJ there but uh Jason Tatum there's just no way I could take him at the beginning of round four right there it's just too early Dan yeah I mean you looking at the projections on Yahoo and that really sort of firms it up uh, they've got Tatum in nine cat at 24 overall. That that's their final end of season rank, and that's totals. By the way, they expect him to play 81 games, which is a big number to put on a kid. And I know he's been durable so far, but boy, to predict 81. Uh, basically, what they're saying is that his per per game value is going to be lower than that, which is how I'm often looking at at those types of guys. But his durability is going to launch him forward, and that. Um, that's a damn pisser. Have you noticed, Adrian, anybody that's been moving back of note? Has anybody jumped out that's been falling? Um, you know, surprisingly, there uh, Bam Adebayo, um, his his ADP is fourth, like end of fourth round. Um, he's kind of been falling to that fifth round, and in that expert, that X rank, they actually have him listed as. 60 player 60 hmm. so i feel like they've kind of moved him back a little bit which helps because you're not seeing his name on that list so i feel um you know i luckily he hasn't really moved up yet and you know some of these other guys these buzzy guys that i've been watching like shea gill is alexander and miles bridges they really haven't moved up yet which i think is good news uh one guy that has who was a basically a non-draft who all of a sudden is getting drafted at the very end of these mock drafts is Markel Fultz. And I'm sure this is due to <laughs> oh, no. um, news that he is uh, going to be active for a training camp. There's videos online of him um, training and shooting. So all of a sudden, Dan, I'm seeing him go like in that last or second to last round. Uh... <laughs> I have intense feelings about what they're doing to that poor kid by heaping additional pressure on him again. It, he needed to make his return in complete anonymity. Like, he would have been best served making his return to the court in a fake mustache and glasses. Like, don't let anybody know he's playing until mm-hmm. after he's out there and something good has happened. Because we've seen it, man. It's not... I don't care what anybody says at this point. It's not the shoulder. A shoulder thing yeah. isn't going to keep you out for two years. It's just not. It's We get it. It's the yips. But the hiding it's making it worse, I think. Yes. Or maybe it makes it, maybe it doesn't make it worse, but it certainly doesn't make it any better. And it's just it's more mental hurdles for a person to get over when the world is still... Like, if you're holding something in... Well, whatever. Anyway, I, I've done this. I've done this rant too many times. So I'm just not going to go down that road anymore. Uh, you, you, you know, he and you mentioned it uh, either last week or the week before. Bogdan Bogdanovich was another guy who just sort of surfaced because of an international game story. Mm-hmm. Uh, these guys pop on and off the charts. It's why early September drafts are kind of weird, and then now we're coming up on early October drafts, which are going to much more accurately reflect what's going to happen on draft day, right? Right. And, you know, we're days away from preseason action. And I am sure that pre that we're going to see a lot more movement in these mock drafts based on some of the stuff that we're about to see in preseason. Mm, man. All right. Well, I mean, if, if if we see guys just ball out like buzzy guys ball out in preseason i guarantee we're gonna see their adp in these mock drafts jump up 
quite a bit. Dan, quick correction I want to make. Earlier I said if you're picking early, you're likely got picked 36 or 37 to get JJJ. Let me correct myself on that. If you're picking first, you're picking again at like pick 24, 25. So for you to take a shot at JJJ in that wheel, you would actually be picking at the end of round one which is like pick 12 or 13 yeah that's right yeah that's man that's a tough spot to be that's a really tough spot to be you've got to take your guys you have to reconcile i talked about this with bogman and with the welsh and those those segments will be airing on the show soon i think we'll get those guys back to back next week um there's there's a significant mental hurdle you have to overcome by the way, they both have really interesting thoughts on this. So I, I hope everybody listening to this show will listen to the, um, the two ITL episodes coming up next week. There's a mental hurdle, Adrian, you have to get over when you're on specifically the turn at the end of the first round. Because obviously, mm-hmm. listen, you know, you got your first pick, you got your Anthony Davis or Cat or whatever it is. At, from that point on, that's also a turn. Uh, but you also have the number one overall pick on your team. So it sort of it, it makes the sorrow of being on the turn from that point on a little bit easier to stomach. Being on the actual true defined 12-13 spot involves a massive, I believe, mental leap where you have to decide <laughs> before the draft even starts, you have to decide, am I okay with just not getting a lot of the guys that I want to have on my team because you can either you can either target your guys way too early and get the guys you want or you can say, you know what? I'm screwed. These guys are just never going to fall to me because there's 22 picks between me and me again. Uh, and so I'm just going to have to come to terms with the fact that I'm going to take whatever guys I think are the best value at my spot and then I'm going to go back to back and I'm just not going to get 80% of the dudes I want. Uh, interestingly, each of the two ITL guys approaches that in a very different way. And that's as much as I'm going to say about that. Adrian, for me, you know how I draft. I like to let the old guys fall to me. So when I'm on the turn, I spend 10 minutes right before the draft, basically just crossing names off my sheet of guys that I know aren't going to get to me. And so I don't even bother thinking I have a hope of getting those guys. And I think that actually helps me mentally when my turn comes around, I just I don't ever expect to get particular guys. How do you handle it? Because I know you do enough mocks. When you end up at, at pick 12, what do you do in your mind? So I pretty much do the same thing as you. They, you know, I know, hey, when if I'm picking at the end of a round, and let's say now your turn has passed, and now you have to wait for the picks to go all the way back to the other side, all the way back to you. I already have a list or group of guys in mind. I do the same thing as you. I cross off the guys I know have no chance coming back. And then I've got a queue of like three or four guys that I know. Now, when my turn comes up, I do look to see, did somebody fall? Did somebody that should have gone for whatever reason, did they fall to me? And if so, I got to make the decision. Do I like that player more than the three or four players that I have queued up so as an example of what i'm talking about and i realize i get philosophical a little bit we we both are here um if you're at pick 12 and 13 you take your guys immediately uh even before you take your guys basically like right when the draft starts i've already gone into my list and i've said okay well i really like deandre aiden not gonna get him Uh, i really like miles turner not gonna get him And you just basically go through all those guys that you know are coming off the board. Some pick between 14 and like 30. Because at that point, you start to think, all right, maybe some of these guys are going to start falling to me again. But you really do have to wrap your mind around what you cannot have. And that's a hard thing. Just human nature, it's hard to accept the things you cannot have. So I, I think we could do a whole show on what life is like on the turn. I still would rather have pick 12 than pick 11. Because at least at pick 12, you don't have to worry about somebody coming off the board. Between your two selections, the only thing, the only thing worse, being at the end and possibly getting sniped <laughs> in between your two picks yeah. that are three picks apart. Um, yeah. Adrian, uh, yeah, sweet, year- sweet nuggets. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I just want to say this year is uh, definitely much tougher drafting at the end of the first round. Really big drop-off from, like, the top six to seven guys. You know, in that mock draft I was in with Chef Ali, I think I had picked 
nine and I ended up taking Beal and Chef was like Beal there and I was like I know it, it feels dirty taking Beal right there. No but man, I'm good after, with that. <laughs> but after Damian Lillard goes off the board, it's like. I'm not that into Joel Embiid. I'm not really feeling LeBron. And so, you know, it's really tough if you don't believe Kawhi is a first-round player. It's like a major drop-off there. So oh, yeah. Oh, really, yeah. I'm good really, with it. I'm yeah, good with really it. tough to be dra- uh, drafting at the end of the first round this year. Where in years past, I actually don't mind it in years past. But this year, it's definitely more of a challenge. I like I like Beal at nine. Uh He's shown he's willing to play through a lot of stuff. Hey, uh, let me ask you one other thing. Um, Kyrie Irving broke his face already. It didn't take long for him to actually get hurt. Does that move him for you at all in draft boards? Because I actually think it does move him down the board for me if he can't even stay healthy uh, leading up to the season. Even if he's going to play on opening night, I still don't care. I feel like it's a fluke accident. From what I hear, it was it was during a pickup game. Got an elbow to the face. Um, you know, I I think we're still f- hopefully far enough where he'll he'll be good to go for the start of the season. Hopefully, he'll wear one of those cool looking masks. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> um, I do agree. Likely, we see him fall. But hey, man. Uh, Maybe if I'm drafting in the middle to the end of the second round now, if 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 he's sitting there, I'll be happy to take him there. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm I'm on board with that part of things. Uh, by the way, the more that I watch all of this stuff shake out, the more that I'm willing to take Kawhi Leonard at 14. Uh, probably not earlier than that, but that's one or two slots earlier than I was planning before. Uh, his game is just so intense um, that even if he only plays like 67, 66, 67 games, that's still. Uh, an incredible second round guy in Roto. I'm 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 sweetening I'm sweetening on Ka- on Kawhi Leonard a little <laughs> can, bit here. Can I ask you a question on um, Kawhi Leonard? Request pending. So, yeah, I'll, I agree. Go ahead. <laughs> so, are you buying this talk about him no. not getting the load management treatment that we've seen in seasons no. past? Not buying. Okay. Not buying it at all. I still think he's taken at least 13 games off just for load management. I just think that. In Toronto, that was more like 16 or 17 for load management and then another two or three for real stuff. Um, This one, I think, is going to be more like 13 for load management and another two or three for real. So probably 65 games this year. But the interesting note on that is 65 sounds pretty awful, and it's not great. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. It's not great. But he was at 60 last year, so 65 would actually be a pretty big jump for him. And with only 60 games last year, he was number 18. So put another five mm. games on that. He leapfrogs two or three guys probably into that 15, 16 range in totals. And that's right where I'm looking at taking him anyway. Mm. Nice. Uh, does that answer, I hope that answers the question. Um, Adrian, I, I, I'm settling on sweet nuggets with Adrian Benjamins, but you feel <laughs> free to come back next week with a new name for it. <laughs> Sounds good. AB, he is at Adrian Benjamins on Twitter. I should have told you that at the beginning, but I'm telling you now, go follow him immediately. Adrian, we'll talk to you in a week. See you later, Dan. That guy's so much damn fun. The great Adrian Benjamins. Adrian, you know how to spell Adrian and you know how to spell Benjamin. Just put an S on the end. Go follow him. Why do you guys wait for? There's so many thousands of you that follow me because of this podcast, and then only a handful of those people go and follow my guys. Adrian's one of my guys, man. He led you through the box score breakdown last year with Neil. Do it now. Nobody nobody mocks more than Adrian. This is the perfect time to be following him. You can get all you need to know about what's going on out in the world of mock drafts as everybody else prepares themselves, and he can tell you what they're doing. At Adrian Benjamins, once again, is that Twitter handle. I am at Dan Bespris, once again, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Josh, of course, is at uh, Red Rock underscore B-Ball. Red Rock underscore B-B-A-L-L. If you like the show, please do drop a five-star review on us on iTunes or whatever podcast service you're using if they have a ranking system. Subscribing is a massive deal for us. Please do subscribe. Rating and reviewing is also a massive deal. As I've said before, those are like our currency here. We don't want you to pay us. We want you to subscribe and rate us, especially if you like it. <laughs> really, Only if you like it. I mean, you know, might as well be not be disingenuous here. Um, it's really, it's colossal. It's all, it's all the things. When we see those numbers go up, it makes everything else 
easier to do around here. Once again, Brewski 150 available to early bird subscribers at hoop-ball.com. And you can get $3 off anything you buy at HoopBall with the coupon code REDROCK. R-E-D-R-O-C-K. Coupon code is REDROCK. Enter it on checkout at HoopBall. It'll take $3 off your purchase of any of those five products available at the HoopBall purchase landing page, which, as we mentioned earlier on, has the draft guide, which, by the way, gets the B-150 on October 7th. You don't have to do anything else. Uh, The early bird B-150, if you want to get it right now, Game Time Premium package, and then two bundles, one of them that comes with the draft guide and Game Time Premium, and the other one that comes with the draft guide, Game Time and the Early Bird B-150. All that good stuff all rolled in together. So again, use coupon code REDROCK, get three bucks off, tell them Dan sent you. Well, actually, just using the coupon code will basically tell them Dan sent you. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Crazy. Man, it's been fun. Uh, Quick recap on the week. You had me alone um, talking about my own stuff on Monday. We also talked to the great Eric Ong about auction drafts. We'll have another one of those episodes coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Kyle McEwen was our guest on Tuesday, Jonas Nader Wednesday, Matt Straup on Thursday, Josh Lloyd today. We still have seven more pros we'll be knocking out next week and then the first two days of the week after that. We're going to get into the ESPN rankings the week after next. Uh, We're going to be talking to the great Dr. A, one of the old guard, one of the best of the best of the best here in the fantasy world. We'll talk to Mark Roberts. That's all coming up over the next couple of weeks here on Fantasy NBA Today. Once again, enjoy your wonderful weekend, everybody. Uh, I think there's a holiday this weekend. Yeah, happy Rosh Hashanah. Happy New Year to all of our listeners of the Jewish faith. We will talk to you guys first thing Monday morning. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.